Okay, welcome to uh, week two of our new series called One Another, Doing Church Together. Someone say together. Yeah. Awesome. Now, before we dive into our study, I have some commercials for you. Um, uh, first commercial is uh, um, from the 21st to the 5th, we're taking a Thanksgiving offering, and the goal of this is to uh, make up for the gap that we have between our budget and the actual giving this year. It was around like uh, uh, 12 thousand dollars is the gap and uh and I just want to encourage you to pray about what God would have you give towards that I, I want to read a couple of passages and as I said before um we don't talk a whole lot about offering you know I'm um, not that it's not important uh, we have boxes on the back you can give online and, and things like that uh but I, I want to read a passage from second Samuel chapter 24 verse 24 and in this passage David is about to build an altar to the Lord because God told him to do it and because he was grateful that God stopped the plague uh, that was among God's people. And he was, he was supposed to build this uh, altar in the field by a guy named Arona. And so, uh, Rona, that doesn't sound good, does it? A uh, guy named Arona. And, and uh, here's what we read, right? And because when David approaches where this guy is, the guy runs out to meet him and says, Hey, I, I, I want to give this to you, right? I want to get in with the king. You're pretty intimidating. You can ha- actually have this piece of property. And here's what we read. But the king replied to Rona, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And I always encourage you as you think about your giving, not just in this offering that was up there a few minutes ago, but your giving that uh, throughout the entire year, you know, has it cost you anything. Um, I want to read a quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this about giving. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as ours, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hinder us, I should say that they're too small. I like this. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures excludes them. And so just pray about that. Um, another thing, I want, another commercial, uh, Thanksgiving Meal Drive. Uh, we're partnered with Ebenezer Baptist Church downtown and we're, we're providing meals. We're buying about 20 turkeys from our compassion buckets that we give each, each week. And, uh, and if you can bring before uh, Saturday, you know, Canned goods, gravy, cream and mushroom soup, you know, French onion, crispy onions, you know, mashed potatoes, stove top, you know, basic stuff that you would put and cook for Thanksgiving. You know, there are people in our community that actually need those things, and uh, I would encourage you to drop them off out front, and this is a way that we can make a difference and provide meals for you know, 20 families um, during this uh, holiday season. And uh, I, I want to show you a picture here, you know, we collected a bunch of supplies, uh, cleaning supplies, bleach, hygiene items, and, and this is the back of uh, our van, and Laurie's driving that down to Ebenezer. And, and yesterday, here's a picture from yesterday, we had the opportunity to partner together um, at uh, Mount Zion Baptist Church, and as people in the community came by, and we were able to give these to them and, and bless them. And I, I got to tell you, the community that we felt with the brothers and sisters down there, I, I met people I've never met before and, and had great conversations. And this is a church being one. And so thanks for all the items you provided, hundreds of dollars worth of supplies. And this is blessing families. And that's what we're about, right? To make a difference in the community. And, and one more picture up here. 
Um, I, I mentioned that uh, Mountain Mission School was our focus uh, this month, and we have cards in the back that tell about it, and also uh, what we're to pray for. And this Friday, one of the things they wanted prayer for was that the staff morale was kind of down. And, and so uh, uh, we provided the staff, about 50 staff members, with, uh, I ordered 24 pizzas from Pizza Hut. And, and, uh, and this is one of the house families there holding their boxes of pizza. And that whole idea behind that was just to encourage them. You know, to let them know that not only do we support you with a check, but we're praying for you and we care about you and we so appreciate your ministry that has ministered to 20,000 children you know, from all around the world uh, over the last 100 years. And so that's just a way that we can be involved and, and that's all of us together. These are our partners. We have a part in what they're doing. You had a part in providing supplies for families in need downtown and a part of people actually having a Thanksgiving meal, which is getting harder and harder for people because we know that things are, if you've been to the store, right? Look at steaks, man. That's nuts, man. You got to mortgage your house to buy T-bone today, right? It's crazy out there. And, and people in need are not going to be without food. And this is a way that we can really provide and make a difference. Okay? Commercial breakover. Okay. But good stuff, right? You know, when I ask you to do things, I need to let you know what we've done or else you're like, why should I bring items if I don't know what happened to them. And so um, there'll be an opportunity this Saturday. Let me know if you want to go down and help as we're passing out uh, Thanksgiving meals to families in our community. Um, okay, week two of one another doing church together. I'm calling this the fellowship of the king. And understand, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus makes a, he makes a very bold prediction. He says this, on this rock, on the truth of who I am, that I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah, I'm the son of the living God, I am the great I am, on, on me, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And remember, church is the, uh, the word church is the Greek word ekklesia. It means called out ones. Therefore, church has nothing to do with geography. It has nothing to do with a building, nothing to do with a place, and everything to do with a people. Jesus in Matthew 16 did not predict the place. Jesus predicted a people. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my people. He says that I'm going to build this Jesus gathering, this ecclesia, and nothing is going to be able to stop it. My death won't be able to stop it. Your guy's death won't be able to stop it. Not even the gates of hell will be able to stop it. And this Jesus gathering will grow, it'll flourish, it'll expand to every corner in the world. And here we are 2,000 years later, right? And the church is still going strong. We in this room today are a fulfillment of that prediction that Jesus made in Matthew 16 on the road to Caesarea Philippi. Jesus made a bold prediction, and on the night of his arrest, he, he, he prayed a, a very desperate prayer for himself, for his guys, and then Jesus in the garden prayed for us in this room. He says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us so the world will believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you have given me. I believe he's talking about the Holy Spirit. I've given them the Holy Spirit that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. A question... Why, why moments before his arrest and hours before his death and crucifixion would Jesus only pray for unity and oneness? I mean, he did not pray that we would 
that we would build great buildings, preach great messages, have great worship, do great things. Jesus simply and desperately prayed that we would be one. Reason? Because Jesus knows that the entire deal, that the spread of the gospel and the redemption of mankind depends on his followers having relationships with each other that are remarkably different than the way the world does relationships. Get it? Good. And listen, since the entire deal hinges on this, when you look through the New Testament, you see that the primary activity of the church, of the early church, was to one another, one another. It was to focus on behaviors and actions and attitudes and lifestyles that would demonstrate to the watching world the beauty and power of being part of the family of God. Amen? Apparently the words of Jesus that he spoke that night in the upper room really penetrated deep into their hearts and minds. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as, someone say just as, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know, by this, not by our buildings, not by, you know, not by the number of people in this room, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And one sure way to flesh out love for one another is by living out and embracing the one another commands that we see scattered throughout the New Testament. And listen, when we do this, when you and I do this, we will create an appealing and compelling Jesus gathering. But not only that, our own individual lives will begin to look more and more like the life that Jesus lived when he wore flesh and walked this planet. It'll look more and more like the life that you and I were created to live. As we said last week, the early church exploded with growth because they had this love for one another, they had this love for one another thing down. I mean, even the Roman emperor, emperor Hadrian, he's a pagan ruler, went nothing to do with Jesus. Yet here's what he said about the church, a pagan Roman emperor. He said, look at how they love one another. See how they love one another. They never fail to help widows. They save orphans from those who would hurt them. If they have something, they give freely to those who have nothing. If they see a stranger, they take him home as though he were a brother. I mean, seriously, who wouldn't, who doesn't want to be part of a family like that? And so Christianity blew up in the first three centuries and took over the entire Roman world where Constantine became a Christian because of how they loved one another, because they were one. And as I've said many times before, our oneness, our genuine love for one another, how we do relationships is our most effective evangelistic strategy. So it's time to get serious about it. Amen? And remember, one anothering happens best not just when we meet here in rows, right? But when we meet throughout the week in, in circles, right? In, in relationships. And one of the ways that we like to do that here is, is life groups. And we kicked life groups off in 2011, Sometimes we've done really, really good at life groups, and sometimes we've done really, really not so good at life groups. And there are certain things in a church you do, and you're like, oh, that was dumb, let's, or that, that had its season, let's toss it away. 
not doing life together, right? <laughs> that, that's the deal. That's the whole deal. And so our goal as we round into the new year coming up in 2022 is to do a much better and more intentional job so that we are doing life together. And I want you to I encourage you, to, if you're not in a life group, to pray about it. If you're not in a men's Bible study, many people pray about it, you know, about how you can be in relationships with other people, because that's where you have the opportunity to live out the commands to love one another, right? And, 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 uh, and again, we're, you know, we're pumping life into again. We've done that a lot. Put CPR in our life groups because they do good. And then the, the enemy hates us doing life together, right? He wants you to carry your burdens all by yourself. And so, um, okay, let's unpack the one another command I want us to look at today. It, it's, it's in uh, Galatians chapter 6. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit... So restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that there's something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. I like that. Test their own actions. We much rather test other people's actions, right? Judge other people's actions. He says, test your own actions without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Heavenly Father, we humbly come into your presence. We recognize that you are the maker of heaven and earth. God, that you hold the oceans in the palm of your hands, that you're the God we're praying to right now is the same God that created the world out of nothing, the same God who parted the Red Sea, the same God who took down Goliath with a smooth stone, uh, the same God that saved his people from genocide with Esther and Mordecai. And Father, we love you. You are a rock, our refuge, our stronghold. And Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for open hearts and open minds. I pray especially for those right now who are carrying heavy burdens. God, that they would not leave this place carrying those burdens alone. I pray that all of us have eyes right now to see the needs that we can meet in the lives of other people. I pray that in the next few moments, God, that you would do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. And the way I want to attack this text is by looking at the, the command, the cautions, and the consequences of carrying one another's burdens. First, the command. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, the word that is translated burden means a, a heavy, crushing weight, you know, something too big for someone to carry alone, at least not for very long. Here's a picture that I see it right, right there. You know, uh, have you ever had to carry a weight like that that's just crushing you? Uh, maybe you're carrying a weight like that right now. And the word translated carry means to pick something up and to carry it away. And the tense of the verb indicates that it's a continuous action, not, not a one-time deal. Uh, that this carry one another's burdens is, is to be part of our DNA. Pick up and carry away, pick up and carry away each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. M. Scott Beck, in his classic book, The Road Less Travel, begins that book with a three-word sentence that's packed with truth. It reads this, life is difficult. And he is so very right. Life is difficult. 
Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. James said in chapter one of his letter, he said that we will all face different trials and hardships of various kinds. Peter said we should not be surprised in life when we find ourselves suffering. And listen, when you look at the Bible from From Genesis to Revelation, you see that many times God's people are having to carry a burden that life had placed upon their shoulders. Now, our burdens may vary in kind and intensity, but all of us will have burdens as we journey through this life. Question, has anyone here ever had a heavy, almost crushing burden to carry? Yes, life is difficult. I mean, look around you. You're allowed to lose, move your head. Look around you. Look around you. You're in a room full of people who understand what it is to have to carry a heavy burden. Understand, we all have problems and difficulties that weigh us down. Yes, there is and have been heartache and sorrows in every person's life in this room. Matter of fact, I was scrolling through Facebook making a post this morning, and I saw where John Maurice, he's the president of, of uh, uh, Mid-Atlantic Christian University, he has spoken here several times, and his wife is battling cancer, and at 847 yesterday, he had to take his wife back to the emergency room, and he was just saying, had to go to the emergency room, you know, and hope I can bring her, his wife Sherry, back home soon, Right? He's watching his wife right before his eyes struggle and battle a a life-threatening disease. So what are some of the burdens that people may need help carrying? There's a burden of sorrow and grief, the burden of a loss of a loved one, uh, the burden of a difficult marriage or relational conflict, uh, uh, the burden of being a single parent, uh, the burden of financial and vocational stress, the burden of sickness and aging, the burden of Struggling to try to overcome some sin that has held you in its grip for so very long. The burden of broken dreams, broken homes, and broken hearts. The burden of doubt, of fear, burden of loneliness. And those are just some of the burdens that people need help carrying. And listen, once we have a heart that is willing to help carry the burdens of another person, then two very important things are required in order for us to carry each other's burdens and, and for carrying one another's burdens to be more than just a nice idea on our heads or something on the screen, but to become a living reality in our lives. First, we have to know that our brother or sister has a burden. I mean, I can guarantee you that there are people within a few feet of you right now that are carrying a burden that you have no idea that they're carrying at this very moment. And second, the person with the burden has to be willing to let us help them. And for that to happen, two things are required. We need to have more than superficial surface involvement in each other's lives. Okay, here's the deal. If we are not open and honest about our struggles, then no one will know what our burden is. And it's a shame in it that, that we think we have to come through those doors like we got it all together? Let me tell you something. You do not have it all together. And you do not have it all together. And you do not have it all together. You are a messed up people. 
and I am a messed up pastor, right? We don't have it all together. We don't have to fake it. We've got to get to the point where we don't walk through these doors and fake it. Where we say, oh, I'm good, I'm good. Maybe you're not good. Maybe you're, you're struggling in your marriage, right? Uh, maybe you're struggling at work. And it's such a shame that we think we have to walk in here and fake it, right? We don't want to be that, that kind of church, right? And, and, and also, if, if we're not observant, and if we're not interested, then we're not going to notice when someone's struggling, right? If you walk in here only thinking about you, you're not going to notice that person over here who, who is actually struggling with something. And, and if we're not spending enough time with people, right? If we don't get close enough to people, we're not going to know what they're struggling with, and we're not going to be close enough to reach out and help them carry the load that they're carrying right now. Get it? Good. And here's what I'm trying to say. Carrying one another's burdens a, is a command and requires that we take the time and make the effort to develop deeper relationships. Authentic relationships, real community, which will often get kind of M-E-S-S-Y, right? It'll get messy. It'll get real messy. You get close to people, like some of these people around, you think they got it together, you get close to them, you're going to find out, my gosh, they are messed up. I thought I was messed up. She or he is even more messed up than I am, right? Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, there's a scene in the movie, The Lord of the Rings, that paints a powerful picture of carrying someone's burdens. Uh, Frodo Baggins, along with a group of friends called the Fellowship of the Ring, are on a quest to destroy the Ring of Power. In the wrong hands, this ring will usher in an age of evil and darkness throughout the land. And to destroy the ring, Frodo must take the ring to the heart of darkness into Mordor and throw into the fires of Mount Doom where the ring was born. And the catch is, only Frodo can actually carry the ring. Anybody else who holds the ring is like overcome by its power. And the journey's difficult. Many members of the ring actually are not able to continue the journey. Uh, They can't complete it. In fact, in the end, only Frodo and his friend Sam are left standing. But they're at their emotional and physical limits. And as they climb the mountain toward the cave that would lead to the place where Frodo would drop the ring, Frodo cannot take another step. I mean, he can't even stand up. And, and, and Sam's trying to encourage him, but all those encouraging words does no good because Frodo just didn't have any more to give. You ever been there? You got nothing. You got nothing to give. He's totally exhausted. And since only he could carry the ring because anybody else who gets close to the ring is overwhelmed by its power, there's only one thing to do. So Sam said, you know, I'm not able to carry the ring, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. And he puts Frodo over his shoulders and carries him the rest of the way to the journey's end. And that is how the family of God, the fellowship of the king, is supposed to work. Now, we may not be able to take away someone's burdens, but we can help carry them. We can lift each other up to make sure that no one ever gets crushed beneath the heavy weight alone. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill all Christ. Now before we move on to the cautions of carrying one another's burdens, there's another burden that Paul talks about in our text that we're also commanded 
to help one another carry. Brothers and sisters, if some of you are, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Now, Paul doesn't tell us how this person gets in this place where, where he's not just sinning, but where sin has caught him and overtaking him. And, and, and the verb here is, it's in the passive voice, so it, it means that actually sin is what's doing the acting. Sin has chased him, and sin has caught him, and sin has overrun him, and it's, he's now he's trapped underneath the weight of sin. And the word restore is a word you sometimes... Uh, the mending of a net in Matthew 4. It's to mend what has been broken, to repair, to complete. You see, not only are we commanded to carry each other's burdens and trials and difficulties, but we're also commanded to carry the burden of difficult, trying, and crushing sin. Here's what John Piper writes. It's so good. If it's easy for you to help a person bear the burden of sickness or unemployment or loss of a loved one or loneliness or rejection, but too hard for you to bear the burden of confronting a person because of sin, he says, meditate on this thought. A sinful attitude or a sinful habit is much more harmful to a person than any of those other burdens. A sinful habit or sinful attitude is much more harmful to a person than any of these other attitudes. And then he says this, If we really care about a person's ultimate welfare, we will comfort them with their, we will confront them with their sin as well as confront them with their trouble. Like, wouldn't it be great to be part of a Jesus gathering where we love each other so much that we simply could not look the other way while a brother or sister is caught up and overtaken by some sin, right? It's like, man, you know what? They may not like me coming to them. They may, like, may not like what I have to say, but I cannot let my brother or sister run over the edge of the cliff. I must say something to them, right? I mean, let's be the kind of Jesus family that loves each other enough, not just to carry burdens of hard times, but also to confront people when they're in, take, overtaken by a sin. Amen? That can be hard to do. But listen, we are our brother's keeper. We are. And God intends for us to be. And here's the cautions. Number one, don't fall into sin yourself. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit shall restore the person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. I'm saying, if the sin a person is caught up in is a sin that you struggle with and are tempted by, you need to be very careful. In fact, you may need to get some help from another led by the Spirit, Jesus follower, to help you. Number two, don't think wrongly about yourself. If anyone thinks that they're something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. And check out this quote by a guy named Gerald, Gerald Sister. He says this, The ministry of barren burdens brings two groups of people together. Relative healthy healthy Christians who assume the dominant and supposedly superior role. And relatively needy people who assume the subordinate role and inferior role. One does the help and the other needs help. One is strong, the other is weak. The first group faces the temptation of pride. 
They tend to inflate their sense of self-importance when they compare themselves, as they inevitably will, with those who depend on their help. They find it easy to feel stronger, feel like stronger and better Christians. The second group faces the opposite temptation. They tend to diminish their importance in the church when they compare themselves with those who seem to do all the giving and never need to receive. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. And understand, carrying someone's burden does not make you a better or greater Christian. It just makes you an obedient Christian, right? It doesn't make you better. You're not better. It just makes you obedient. And needing help to carry a burden does not make you weak or inferior. It just means that you are human and that you're going through a rough time in your life. Listen, you are not defined by your burdens. Amen? Number three, caution number three, don't overload yourself. Understand, you cannot help everyone. In John 5, when Jesus went to the pool of Bethsaida, there's a lot of people who were sick. And Jesus only healed one guy. Understand, and some of you really need to hear this, it's simply impossible for you to carry the burdens of everybody that you know. And it's also very unhealthy. Get it? Good. You can't. You can't help everyone. But don't let this be an excuse that you don't help anyone, right? Well, the, there's so many burdens out there, so many needs. And I can't do it. I, I can't make a real difference, so I'll do absolutely nothing. No. Don't use it as an excuse. I like this saying right here. Uh, do for one because you can't do for all. No, you can't do for all, but you do for one because you can't do for all. I've always loved that illustration of the guy on the beach, the old guy. I don't know why I have to say he's old, you know. Um, he's my age, so he's not old. But there's a guy. Hey, watch that. Yeah, there's a guy walking on the beach, and he sees this old guy throwing. There's all these starfish on the beach, and he's throwing a starfish into the water. And there's so many out there, this young, yeah, okay, old wise, young, not so wise. Okay, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm feeling the story, right? And he says, there's so many needs, that, there's so many starfish out here, you're not making a difference. And he says, it's making a difference for this one, right? No, you can't, you can't, you can't help everyone, but you can make a difference in someone's life by helping them carry their load. Number two, you cannot do everything for someone. Right? You have limits. Like the good Samaritan, he only did what he could, right? I mean, he didn't move the guy into his house. He took care of his wounds, took him to a hotel, paid for a few nights, and, and, and then he left, right? Here's another quote by um, Gerald Sitzer. He said, all of us are responsible to shoulder burdens. But none of us is responsible to shoulder them all and to do it alone. Sometimes we are most obedient when we say what? When we say no. No, I, I just can't. You know, I, I, I can't carry anymore. Bottom line, carrying one another's burdens takes the entire church. Takes the entire Jesus gathering. For us to do it as a body, it takes the entire Jesus gathering in this room. It takes all of us working together, actively seeking, stopping, and helping one another. 
when loads are just too much. And listen, here, sometimes, right, a burden someone's carrying is so deep that you need to get outside professional help, right? Or sometimes you say, you know what, I can help you, but some of the things you're saying are, are, are above my pay grade. You need to go talk to a Christian counselor, a professional to help you get past this. Now, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to walk beside you, but there's a limit to what I can do for you. And finally, the consequences of carrying one another's burdens. And I want to talk about not, not negative consequences, but positive consequences. Number one, the forming of a one another community. I mean, who doesn't want to be part of a Jesus gathering where no one has to carry a heavy burden all by themselves? Where no one has to be crushed under the weight of something that's too heavy for them? I may not be able to carry your burden, but I can carry you. We got that, I think I have that image again, possibly, do I? The Frodo image? I really want that image to be burnt into our minds. I mean, do you, do you think that Frodo and Sam's relationship grew stronger because of this? It's like, hey, you cared enough about me to come alongside me and help me? You cared enough about me to confront me with something that was destroying my life and my walk with God? You cared that enough? You cared that much about me? You see, people in the world are... are, are they're used to people using them and not helping them, right? Like, you know, there's nothing in this for Sam, right? People in the world go like, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to hang out with you as long as there's a payoff for me, right? But see, the church is to be a place where, you know, hey, there's, there's nothing in this for me. I'm here for you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you carry your burdens. Like, does anybody want to help make this happen? And I know that some of you are already doing this and have done this, but what if we all joined in? I mean, what if that was who we were? You know, that, hey, we're a place that if you have a hard time, you have a sorrow, you have a heartache, you have a burden, you will never have to carry it alone. People will help you. They won't judge you. They won't beat you up. They won't gossip behind your back. They will just help you carry the burden. Then the world will know that we are his disciples, right? Then that's how. You won't be able to beat people to keep them away from being a part of a community like that. And it will be messy, guaranteed. And it will not be easy, guaranteed. Another positive consequence is helping people to carry their own load. For each one should carry their own load. You see, the goal is not to where you're always carrying the load for people. It's to come alongside of them and begin to help them carry the load themselves, right? You know, it's, a, it's not a handout, it's a hand up, right? You come alongside them, hey, I, I want to help you carry this, and then down the road, maybe you can carry this by yourself. Maybe you can do this on your own. And one thing we're going to find, you're going to find that when it comes to a heavy burden, past struggles often lead people into corresponding ministries, right? I, I mean, a married couple who has survived really tough times in their marriage, they're the best people to help another couple who's struggling in their marriage, right? Now, someone who has, who has overcome the addiction of alcohol is the best to come along someone else who is struggling with that same difficulty. 
Someone who's overcome the loss of a loved one is the best to come alongside of someone who has lost a loved one. Your past struggles, God wants to take, God doesn't want to waste the hurt, and he can take your past struggles and use them for future ministries. Another consequence is fulfilling the law of Christ. He says, carry each other's burdens, and this way you will, you will fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love God and to love people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. I understand, whenever you help carry someone else's burden, you're not only loving them, but you are loving God. Whatever you do for the least of these, Jesus said, right? You did for me. Here's a quote from Mother Teresa. And life will not be judged by how we by how many diplomas we have received, how much money we have made, how many great things we have done, we judge by, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. Mayor Grove, let's carry each other's burdens. And in this way, we will fulfill the law of Christ. Amen? I mean, let's be a place. And we're, you know, we, I've been up here for a few minutes, maybe longer than you wanted me to be, but hey, if you know me, that happens sometimes. But seriously, it's time to stop talking about something like this. You know, this is our prim- needs to be our primary activity, right? You know, the elders and I have been praying for, gosh, over three weeks straight, eight o'clock every morning, we're Zooming with each other, just praying for the church and and. We want to, we're praying not for, what's the next program we need to do? We're praying for people, right? We're praying for people, right? And and we want to be a place, right, where we do life together. And people can be real and be transparent with their burdens and struggles. Where it's okay not to be okay. Because sometimes we're not okay, right? And if any place we should be able to be real and authentic, it should be in the family of God. And It'll be real, it'll be raw, it'll be messy, but it's just what we need in an upside-down world that we live in. And I would encourage you, right, you know, you know, as we get ready to wrap up, you know, if there's someone in this room you feel comfortable with, you know, I'll be around, see Bailey, leaders will be around, but if you have a struggle right now, it sure would be a shame not to Share that with someone. Have them pray over you before you leave, right? It would. To walk out those doors feeling the same burden you walked in with, that'd be tragic, right? It, it, it doesn't need to happen. And everybody else, if you see somebody that you know, and you're looking at them like, yo, they don't look so good right now. There must be something going on with them, and I'm going to come alongside of them and see how they're doing. Not... How you doing, meaning hi, not meaning really how you're doing. Try that sometime when you're at the cash register and they say, how you doing? Start telling them how you're doing. You'll find out they don't really care how you're doing. They're just saying hi to you. Right? I usually respond by saying hi because I really know they don't really care how I'm doing. They are just saying hi because I do the very same thing. But, but how about how you're doing where you really find out how someone is doing? And maybe they're not doing good. And so I just pray if you have a burden, please don't leave without being a prayed over. 
And don't feel shame because we already know you're messed up. We won't be surprised that you have struggles because like, hey, we know you have struggles because you're, you're messed up, but we're messed up, right? But Jesus is not messed up and he can help unmess us if we let him to, right? Well, that sure made sense. Um, but you know what I meant. It's a good thing you can interpret for me. And, and uh, I, I want to read just two passages as we wrap up. One written about the ultimate burden bearer and the one spoken by him. If you guys would stand as I'm reading these, and then we're going to go right into our, our song before communion. Verses Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And then Jesus says this, and I, I pray you hear these words from him, not from me. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, God, to, God, to be in your presence. God, we thank you for the opportunity to, to worship you. We thank you, Lord, that you long to carry our burdens. You long to give us rest for our souls. And God, right now, I pray that your spirit will move. And God, for those right now who are carrying a heavy burden, may they, first of all, give it to you. And God, may they invite someone they know and love and care about to come alongside of them. Father, I pray that our conversation today will be more than just a talk and move on, but it'll be something that begins to happen in this place so that no one ever has to carry a burden alone. And God, as we're about to sing this song about running to the Father, I pray that burdens will begin to lighten and that rest for our souls will begin to happen. In Jesus' name, amen.